but why? Why? You don't need to stop drinking. Like, you don't have a problem. You only drink to have more fun. And from an outside perspective, and even from my own perspective, I, I genuinely thought that that's what was going on. I only drink to have more fun. But then the question is like, wait, if I'm not having fun without drink, what's going on there? Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. Inspiring conversations with badass women, empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. If you embarked on dry January this year, maybe you did sober October last year, maybe you're just questioning alcohol and your relationship with alcohol. I am chatting with Ruby Warrington, author of Sober Curious. I read Sober Curious at the start of this year and it honestly has changed my life, changed my relationship with alcohol and how I think and approach alcohol. There is a ton of stigma around this topic and I thank Ruby for sharing her story online, sharing the book with the world. I think many many of you will relate to parts of her story and we need to continue having these conversations, it's really important. I'm removing the stigma around talking about sobriety and also having the option to look at sobriety as a health choice and as self-care not necessarily in the way it's usually perceived. So really interesting discussion today. Keep an open mind. Would love to hear your thoughts. Reach out to us on Instagram, tag us in your Instagram stories and enjoy. Welcome back to Put Yourself First everyone and welcome to my guest today, Ruby Warrington. Say hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks so much for chatting to me. Um, It's my pleasure because my journey with this whole thing is completely down to you and your book so I'm really excited to dive in today (laughs) I love it this whole thing (laughs) yeah it's it it's a pretty big deal um Mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know about you and your work let's start by letting everyone know um what it means to be sober curious and how this concept and this work really manifested itself into your journey in life as well? Well, um, yeah, so I have a new book out called Sober Curious. It was just released, time sort of for dry January, obviously. Um, and it's the book contains all of the wisdom, insights, um, and experiences gained on my own journey over the past sort of eight, nine years of getting and becoming what I call sober curious. Um, and so to be sober curious, just to kind of get that up front versus just kind of sober, sober, like how is that different from being sober, right? To be sober curious means to approach any um, sort of drinking situation or anything to do in, in terms of our inner relationship to alcohol as well with a questioning or a curious mindset. So rather than just kind of going along with what is in in very much in the UK and in the US where I'm now based as well, what I call the sort of dominant drinking culture, meaning it's totally the norm to be a drinker and to drink and life very much revolves around alcohol. Um, Rather than just going along with that, to actually begin to question every sort of invitation to drink, 
every expectation to drink on either on your behalf or on behalf of others um, and every sort of impulse or instinct to drink and so before actually reaching for the drink before joining in to actually question why am I doing this how's it really going to make me feel why is, am I expected to drink in this situation like how am I how is this drink going to affect the rest of my day or even the rest of my week you know um so yeah to really bring that questioning mindset that curious mindset to all of our drinking experiences I love that and it's really it's been really accessible to me because you go over this in the book um I think conversations around sobriety have in the past been quite intimidating to people or there is a lot of stigma attached to it so it's almost like if you well you're not an alcoholic so why are you talking about being sober but what I love about your work is you're tapping into all the different aspects of I don't know like our social structures our relationship with ourselves, our spirituality and all these different things that can be negatively impacted by drinking and it's just that curiosity that's really um, transformed how I look at alcohol definitely surpass surpassing you know just doing dry January I think you touched on a couple of really important things there the first one being that yeah really up until very recently and I think that my work and before starting this book um, before writing the book and now the book coming out has been really instrumental in opening up this the conversation around sobriety certainly when I started questioning my drinking many years ago um I eventually did find myself in an AA meeting because it, the messaging, all the messaging that I was receiving was if you're questioning your drinking, that means you have a problem. And if you have a problem with alcohol, that means you have, are an alcoholic and you must go to AA. And like the only route for you is total abstinence. Um, and that just, it didn't, it felt a bit too, it felt kind of quite extreme. And like you said, it was very intimidating. The idea at the time, you know, I was a, a, a kind of regular social drinker meaning that alcohol was part of most of my social interactions it was kind of how I relaxed and unwound at the weekends but I wasn't drinking every day I wasn't needing a drink every morning I wasn't I hadn't got ill from my drinking necessarily I hadn't had any of the kind of in more extreme let's say negative side effects that we associate with someone with alcoholism like an alcoholic so by the time I got to AA I'd really cut back hugely just through bringing this questioning mindset like I said and and kind of experimenting here and there with not drinking but still because I had these questions I felt like okay well even if I'm questioning it like I said that means I have a problem and so I'm probably in denial about my alcoholism I found myself at AA but actually what I was hearing people share about there and just the approach it felt like it didn't really speak to my experiences at all and I felt like an imposter and that I was potentially even kind of like taking the place of somebody there who needed it more than me. Not that it's limited spaces, of course, at AA, like as many people as want to go. But it, do you know what I mean? It's just like I felt like it, it wasn't it wasn't what I needed. Um, and so, yeah, I think what part of my goal really in becoming very vocal and talking about this very openly was to destigmatize the idea of just choosing not to drink you know and actually kind of opening that possibility up to anybody and everybody who wanted to who found themselves questioning their drinking or our drinking as a society for whatever reason and then the other thing that you that you've that you mentioned which is so so true is that 
when you do, or at least in my case, as soon when I really began to step outside of that dominant sort of drinking culture, that default setting of like, I'm an adult, therefore I drink. Once I took a step outside of that and took a step back and began to look at the way that we drink as a society from an outsider perspective, it was just really amazing to me how actually alcohol, which is something that many of us do without questioning, without thinking, it's just what we do, actually really impacts every single area of our life, whether it's our physical, mental, emotional well-being, whether it's our work and our productivity, whether it's our relationships, whether it's how we feel about ourselves, whether it's our connection to, yeah, our essential aliveness or our spirit. Um, Alcohol is really actually interwoven into all of those different areas of life. And it just became, I just began to think, wow, it's crazy that we don't really talk about that ever. Um, We don't really question the impact that it's having. You know, and something, something else that's really come up through just people sharing about their experiences of becoming sober curious is that often if you're a regular drinker and your whole social circle revolves around alcohol and possibly your work and possibly your family life as well, it's only really when you stop drinking that you realize what a massive impact it's actually having on all those different areas of life that I mentioned. Is that something you experienced? Yeah, 100%. It's just, yeah. It's just a complete transformation in terms of my everyday life. And it it sounds really silly because, like you say, I've not got a drinking problem. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't even drink to excess. But mm. I do notice that alcohol has a knock-on effect. It's not just that one night that you drink, having a drink at the weekend. It's every single day and how alcohol, how you use alcohol to answer certain questions or soothe certain things like during the week I'm sure most of us can relate to looking forward to the weekend because Mm. of the alcohol and it's just it's just completely shifted my mindset and how I tackle those situations Mm. well yeah that thing of looking forward to the weekend and then actually acknowledging I'm looking forward to a drink I'm not necessarily looking forward to not being at work I'm looking forward to a drink. Or maybe I am looking forward to not being at work, but somehow or other, not working means drinking. Like, how is that, like, why is it so difficult to switch off and unwind without having this substance, which ultimately, as many of us will be familiar with, comes with some very painful negative side effects. Like, I remember when I first really started cutting it out and first, you know, stopped marking the end of the, the working week with a drink, just the, how much time I got back on the weekend was like mind blowing to me. <laughs> and I'd look back and I'd be like, wow, my, those two days a week, you know, for anyone at the time I was working in a nine to five, but the time I actually do have to myself to do what I want to do, to see the people I want to see, to, to not feel the pressure of, of work. Actually, I feel really crap. For most of that time because I've been drinking <laughs> so all of that amazing all of that time that's mine to do with as I please I actually am, am not feeling great a lot of the time I'm feeling really really bad because I'm hungover and it just seemed like such a waste and like how did I let that happen for so long like how did I how did how did it become okay in our society to accept feeling hungover is kind of like a normal byproduct of wanting to relax and wanting to unwind.
it just started to not really add up for me. I was like, this is not a fair trade-off. <laughs> I want to relax and unwind. And I don't want to have to feel terrible for, for fulfilling that desire, you know? Something that I've asked myself continuously over the past couple of months, because I've been sober curious since January, um, mm-hmm. is questioning that when I am stressed or I'm anxious or... I'm having a negative thought and again you go into this in the book and I definitely encourage everyone to order it and read um you mentioned like exploring those negative feelings and those stressful situations and not just immediately going to the numbing effect of alcohol because that's not it, everyone knows like I'm not trying to patronize every, anyone listening but that's not solving that problem it's just pushing it aside till Monday or pushing it aside till tomorrow and actually Mm -hmm. tapping into deeper more meaningful self-care practices um Mm. which I'm sure we'll get into at some stage um because I know we're on the same wavelength with spirituality and that side of things um Mm. tapping into those things that mean more and I'll have bring me lasting calm and lasting change rather than the destructive habit Mm. Exactly right. Exactly right. Like, even if and like when I I remember when I first really started to properly cut alcohol out and live without it, a lot of friends were like, but why? Why? You don't need to stop drinking. Like you don't have a problem. You only drink to have more fun. And from an outside perspective, and even from my own perspective, I, I genuinely thought that that's what was going on. I only drink to have more fun. But then the question is like, wait, if I'm not having fun without drink, what's going on there? If I need alcohol to have fun, hmm, what's that all about? Why am I not able to have fun and relax and enjoy myself without a drink? So that's the line of inquiry I started going down. And of course, then I started getting into the the deeper, maybe more subconscious, sort of shadowy um, things, feelings, situations, um, like I said, kind of subconscious stuff that I actually was, was I recognized I was using alcohol to not feel and to numb out from and to not really look at. And a lot of them were really deeply buried in my psyche and deeply buried in my kind of emotional life. And I, it took doing some deeper kind of excavation to get to really the bottom of like, okay, yeah, why do I, why do I generally feel quite tense and anxious? And rather than just kind of going, okay, I want to have fun, I'm going to drink going, okay, let's actually look at the the real kind of root of my tension and my anxiety and see what I can start to do to address that at the at the root cause, you know. And that shit is really hard. <laughs> really hard. Oh my God. <laughs> it's hard for so many reasons because we don't number one, it's only really very recently that we're actually starting people to see people, thanks a lot to social media and some brave voices there, talk openly about mental and emotional health problems that we all experience right we all have these things that are hard to deal with and it's been again it's an area that's been really stigmatized um seen as perhaps a weakness or weird or even kind of like you know an illness or there's something wrong with you if you're feeling those those things so it's only really recently that people are getting more comfortable i think with talking about mental health which is brilliant and i think it goes hand in hand with this sober curious movement because actually the more willing we are to talk about our mental and emotional well-being the less we're actually going to need feel the need to numb out from any issues we may be having in that area. 
but yeah, it can be really difficult, partly as well, like I said, because it's been stigmatized and people haven't felt comfortable talking about it, but also because, and this is almost where the sort of spiritual, you know, numinous piece comes in. My other, in my other life, I have an online magazine called The Numinous that talks about all sorts of mystical, spiritual wellness practices. A lot of it is kind of, it's not necessarily stuff we can pinpoint right away and go, oh, because because this happened that I feel that way. Of course, there are certain obvious stresses in our lives um, that we can pinpoint quite quickly and readily. We can say, yeah, my boss was really mean to me, so I feel terrible at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, that's the obvious one. But then there's things like, oh, my great-grandmother had a history of mental illness and was institutionalized, and I never knew about that. And that's been a secret that's been held in my family for generations. And there's something in me that knows that and needs to address that and kind of like acknowledge that that's part of my history, you know? The deeper things that aren't necessarily obvious, that take a bit more time, effort, and inquiry to kind of dig into, you know? Yeah. So that's the second reason it can be hard. It's because kind of like, I have all these big feelings. I don't really know what they're attached to. Where do I even start? It's really difficult, which is why I think a lot of people just run away from it. But I yeah. think, like you say, your work and other people just sharing their journey on social media is really important. Um, with that being yeah. said, um, oh. I'm aware some people listening might not know your background. Um, mm. And I think this podcast in particular is we're a community of women. I know there'll be a lot of women listening who are busy prone to stress probably put too much on the plate struggle to make time for themselves and probably live like quite a high high flying life like busy career juggling lots of different things um so I think it'll be really good for them to hear your journey with your work and how alcohol was really weaved into your social life and your career really so my background um like I said, I'm currently based in New York, but I'm British, as you can hear, and um, had a really successful career in magazine journalism in the UK, you know, starting when I left college um, up to my sort of middle 30s. And <clears throat> I reached a position that was very much everything I'd really wanted career-wise um, as features editor at the Sunday Times Style magazine. And it was a very glamorous but very high-pressure job. And yeah, as as a journalist in London, like alcohol was just kind of the ever present social slash work lubricant in a way. Like all the product launches I went to, all the trips I went on, there was always just like ample alcohol being supplied. Um, so I definitely developed a very kind of habitual relationship with drinking. It was just part and parcel of what I did, and everyone I socialised with drank the same, if not probably more than me. Um, it was very very normalised. And I got to a point about seven years, seven, seven or eight years ago, which is, yeah, probably about eight years ago when I first started questioning my drinking. It went hand in hand with sort of questioning the career path that I'd been on and how much it was actually fulfilling me on a, on a deeper level and how, how meaningful it actually really was and whether the work I was doing was actually meaningful or contributing everything I think I wanted to contribute to the world. And it was a really, it was a bit of a sort of wake up call moment in the sense that I put all of my energy and passion and drive into following this career that ultimately I found quite lacking in terms of a deeper sort of level of satisfaction. 
Um, and so, yeah, it was around then that I started to notice how my drinking, if I was feeling anxious and sort of, yeah, I, was, I guess I was feeling quite, I was feeling quite lost in this moment in time. I began to really notice how when I'd have a big night out drinking, my anxiety levels would just be so much higher and I'd feel so much more confused and I'd feel so much less connected to my natural sort of enthusiasm and optimism. And so it was then I sort of started started to experiment with cutting alcohol out just to see how it would kind of impact my mood. Um, and so, yeah, it was around, it was during that point of questioning that I started questioning my drinking. And I think for anybody who's juggling multiple projects, perhaps, and this is when I started, you know, I started my, my passion project at the time, the Numinous on the side, it, as a way to really bring back the kind of inspiration and, and passion that had sort of got me on started on my career path in the beginning um and I think yeah for anybody who's who's in a transition like that career-wise as so many of us are now you know we have the tools at our disposal to create our own brands and to build businesses that are really in alignment with who we are and what we want to put put out in the world anyone sort of juggling that transition um in my experience out throwing alcohol into that (laughs) situation only really like I said exacerbates any feelings of instability or anxiety or lack of confidence or lack of self-belief um that can come up when you're in that sort of transitional period so yeah I I then went on to I then moved to New York in 2012 my husband got a job here and so it was a real break point for me I was sort of forced out of old career into working fully on what had begun as a passion project um and it was moving to New York that coincided with me getting really into all of these you know mystical emotional spiritual wellness practices and techniques which are all the things I cover on the numinous so yeah it was coming here beginning to embrace all those practices in my life as because I was writing about them for my website that my sober curiosity really kicked into high gear because I began to notice that actually socializing at sound baths and kundalini yoga sessions and finishing my Friday night with, you know, a breathwork healing session was actually giving me the same kind of um, access to relaxation, joy, transcendence that I've been looking for in alcohol, but without the hangover side effects. And so it really began, the questions got much more like, okay, yeah, why actually are you drinking? Because you really don't need it. And it really does, like the, the, the negative side effects just started to feel so much more pronounced. Um, the further I stepped into my sort of numinous solopreneur passion project path, I really began to notice, like for anyone who has tried to get something off the ground or that is more of like a passion project or that's aligned with what you really want to do, it honestly, it takes so much confidence and self-belief and drive and energy. I just really began to notice how any time I drank now that I was working on this, it could take me days if not weeks to get back into that really aligned confident space that I needed to be in to make to make all my stuff happen so yeah my my sober curiosity sped up quite a lot after I moved to New York as a result of all of the things I just described yeah I love that journey and I think it was really important for me to ask you to share that because I do think that in certain circles um, there is a huge disconnect between 
what people want and what they're doing. So let's say female entrepreneurs or mm. women who are obsessed with wellness and yoga and looking after themselves. And the in even within these circles, alcohol is still like continuously glamorized and it's seen as this coveted thing to look forward to and I just what do you how do you feel about that because I feel like there's a huge disconnect yeah well I think that you know the the thing is most of most of us the majority of us have never been taught to question the way that alcohol is presented and when I say presented I mean alcohol is heavily marketed and has been heavily marketed specifically at women for the past sort of two, three decades. There's research in the book to kind of back that up. It's marketed as, yeah, the glamorous go-to for when you want to relax, when you want to unwind, when you want to connect with your friends, when you want to commiserate a hard time, when you want to celebrate a success. We are brought up in a society that holds alcohol up as the answer to all of those, or a necessary component of all of those situations. And we're not ever, we've never been taught to question that. So like, of course, we still believe that to be the case. Now, I also talk in the book um, about how I, I have come to believe that I think anybody who drinks regularly is a little bit addicted to alcohol. <laughs> um, and again, I share this because actually it, it takes the sort of judgment and the blame out of it, right? And I'll break it down for you. So like I said, alcohol is heavily, heavily marketed at us by the drinks industry. Um, Billion dollar campaigns every year. It's also, and I've really noticed recently in the past sort of few years, how it's, there's more and more alcohol in TV shows, in movies, like it's just really everywhere presented as, you know, a a necessary part of an adult life, I suppose. Um, So we have that marketing piece. Alcohol is also um, one of the, Well, so I'll backtrack. So we, the human brain is kind of hardwired to form an attachment to alcohol. We have this this thing called, it's the desire function in our brain. And it basically means that our brain is, is designed to seek out and repeat any experience that either brings us pleasure or takes away our pain. And alcohol on a very superficial level appears to do both those things, right? We associate it with good times celebrating good times, enhancing good times, and we we associate it with easing the pain of difficult times. And then the third factor is that alcohol is actually one of the five most addictive substances on the planet, which is not something that really gets spoken about that much. It's up there in that top five with heroin, cocaine, nicotine, barbiturates, which is like a kind of old school sleeping pill, which isn't really available anymore because they are so dangerous, and alcohol. So If you combine those factors, like our biological predisposition to becoming, to enjoying alcohol (laughs) or thinking that we need alcohol, it's alcohol is going to give us what we want. Coupled with the addictive nature of the substance itself, coupled with the fact that it's heavily marketed at us across the board from the age that we're old enough to understand. It's actually really hard not to, I think it's much harder not to become a little bit addicted and that's slightly controversial terminology, but like, let's say it's harder not to become emotionally attached to alcohol than it is to have a completely kind of take it or leave it relationship. So going back to what you say about the potential, the kind of what looks like 
maybe slightly hypocritical behavior around drinking, particularly in the sort of like wellness or self-help communities. It's actually really hard to recognize that that's unhealthy, like, or that that's not necessarily in service of what we're doing. And it doesn't make anyone weak or it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with reaching for alcohol in those situations we've been taught that we need it. It's just, it's just like I said, we've never been taught to question that. We've never been taught not to do it that way. And so it's actually just very normal if you're a human being to be continuing to use alcohol, even though parts of your parts of you intellectually or maybe parts of your subconscious as well might be going, actually, is this really in alignment? Like the, our physical makeup and the nature of alcohol itself means we'll probably continue repeating that behavior, even if we are beginning to know, quote unquote, better. And I think also, like I just touched on it there, like in, it, throughout the whole book and my whole stance on this whole thing is like none of it's about moralizing. Like there's nothing right or wrong with drinking or not drinking. And there's nothing good or bad about being drinker or a non-drinker. Um, what I'm really all about is helping people understand, like truly understand for themselves that they get to, they get to choose, we get to choose whether we engage or not. Right. Yeah. Um, but we do actually, we'd have to take the effort to step away from it before we can actually begin to make that choice from an aligned place. The other big thing to recognize is that everybody's journey is completely different. And like, I know that for me and my physical, biological, mental, emotional makeup, alcohol has a really, really huge impact. And I recognize that now. For some people, it might not have the same impact at all. And that's going to be, you know, and again, I talk about this at length in the book, based on all sorts of things from literally my biology to my family background to the stresses I'm dealing with at a certain time. Like alcohol does not have any place in my life right now for all of these different factors but someone else might be fine having a couple of glasses of wine on a Friday night and it has no negative impact whatsoever and that's fine too it's about holding and creating creating and holding space for everybody's experience to be their experience um, whilst also empowering people to really be honest and truthful with themselves about the true impact of alcohol yeah and why they're doing it as well why yeah the why is such a is such a key piece i recently led a sober curious retreat here in america and a lot of it was focused on helping people really get to the deep deep why um of their drinking you know and so often that does link back to like deep unhealed or rather unexamined um traumatic experiences you know whether and when i talk about trauma or traumatic experiences I think often we can immediately go to what seem like the more the more obviously challenging things like losing a loved one or having a you know a a difficult diagnosis medically or these sorts of things but or you know abuse or an assault or something but actually all of us have experienced multiple traumas in our lives um and all of them can have their can have a lasting impact Um, until we're actually in a position to be able to examine them and get beyond whatever that trauma might have been. So, yeah, getting getting into the deep why of your drinking, I think, is a really key piece if you want to change your drinking habits 
in the long term. Yeah, I completely agree. And on that subject, um, something I saw on your Instagram the other day from your London launch event, and Mm. this completely clicked for me, Um, you were talking about alcohol, using alcohol or people using alcohol to seek connection and that Mm. was a complete like light bulb moment for me um Mm. so let's talk about that because I I do think that will play into a lot of people's why I know it definitely plays into mine Mm -hmm. um totally so when, when I think about connection I think about connection in three different ways there's connection to other people which is kind of the obvious one there's connection to ourselves, like the true self, that's the inner self. And then there's connection to something that's bigger than all of it, right? There's connection to what might have been called in the olden days, God, which some people still <laughs> use that terminology. I like the term the universe or the universal oneness or the cosmos. Um, so there's that connection as well. And I think that we are using alcohol um, to seek to facilitate all of those types of connection all of those types of connection are truly like the bedrock of leading or living a life that feels aligned with who we are, living a life that helps us feel supported in what we want to do in the world. So yeah, it can begin with kind of like connection to others. Um, Often we're looking for the other kinds of connection and our connection to others as well, right? If you think about like, the kind of when you have a really great friend who really gets you in a way that helps you connect more to who you are as well like when you don't feel when you feel like you don't have to pretend with someone and you're on that real level with someone you're actually connecting to your true self as well um so some of the, the most common questions that come up around people when people first start to to get sober curious is like well how am i going to socialize And one of the things that immediately becomes very evident when we start to remove alcohol is how interwoven it is into our social connections with other people. So I think that that's a really good indication of the fact that we are using alcohol so often to facilitate connection. So then it's a question about, well, how can we have how can we have these these different kinds of connection without the substance that actually makes us feel like crap a lot of the time? And that ultimately, and it gets, you know, it's pretty complicated, but that ultimately disconnects us. It creates the illusion of connection whilst ultimately disconnecting us from like the true essence of our intimate relationships and our connection to ourselves. Um, so then, yeah, that's a much, a much longer conversation about how do we find those connections without it, especially if we've been used to relying on alcohol to feel those different kinds of connection yeah because one thing I've observed about my approach to alcohol in the past is I used alcohol and because I felt like without alcohol I wasn't a fun person to be around or Mm. what I was more I was more fun I was more of a like of a good time to be around in my friendship group if I had alcohol Mm -hmm. um I'm pretty sure you're not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. And on the on the flip side, I think we we attach alcohol to certain relationships, don't we? Like going back to the conversation around like going out with your girlfriends on a Friday night or going dating or even having a date night with your partner who's like 
one of the number one people in the world who you probably mm-hmm. st- the st- have the strongest connection with mm. we still associate our relationships with alcohol in such a strong way and for me it was really interesting to realize that actually alcohol um takes me away from my true self more than it reveals me it almost it hides like the best parts of myself because it just I'm just not as present I'm not in the right state of mind and I'm just not going to show up somewhere in the same way as Kat Mm -hmm. than I Mm. would if I was sober yeah completely thank you for sharing that because it's absolutely true and I think a big part of it is like you know you started off by saying I'm not as fun when I'm not drinking and I think part of it is kind of like so much of what we're sold as a fun time actually involves us playing a role of kind of like being a fun person well maybe we're not feeling like in that mood you know I'm not always I'm a very multifaceted feeling emotional human being which means I have all these different kind of feeling states and so all these different ways of being in the world and if I'm denying some of those for the sake oh it's Friday night I've got to be on I've got to be fun tonight so I'm going to use this to be my fun self you're actually never bringing your whole self to the table you know and it's always there's always going to be an element of kind of fakery and I I, one thing I've realized is that I can be that fun dancing on the tables kind of happy-go-lucky quote-unquote drunk self probably like two or three times a year (laughs) is how much I personally am naturally like that. Some people are naturally like that a lot more often and great, good for them, but I'm just really not. And actually the the pain of faking being that, the energy that it takes to fake it is just like, I don't have that much. (laughs) I just don't have the time for it, you know? And so, yes, I was at a a book club um, talking about this. A group of people had done this for their book club. And um, I was over curious. And one woman was like, yeah, she's like, I'm really looking for kind of alternative, like, ways to socialize. Like, all bars are dates and stuff. It's all around drinking. And And I was just like, "I've I've actually given up trying to replicate my drinking social life as a non drinker. I now socialize in a completely different way, but in a way that reflects much more who I really am and what makes me feel good. So I love to socialize with people one-on-one and get really super deep over a nice tea or a matcha or something. And that actually making time in my schedule for those one-to-one kind of like much more intimate, deep chat socializing situations is so much more fulfilling to me. I don't really go to parties much anymore. I don't really hang out in big groups anymore because I realized that, again, bringing it always back, for me, that was not right for my personality. I'm much more of a kind of introverted one-to-one person. So now I'm just, now I accept that. And that's how I do my socializing. Um, So, yeah, it's really about questioning what what we're told makes us fun and what we're told is a good time. Like, for me, a good time actually looks very different (laughs) than that. I love that and I feel like a lot of people will relate to that and I bet your friendships now whether they're like work relationships or old friends or whoever you're connecting with on that one-on-one basis I bet those connections are so much stronger so much and I didn't even realize they weren't strong before you know I am I love people and I've always had lots of friends um and lots of people I feel close to but now 
the level of intimacy and again same with my husband who I've been with for 20 years now like there's a level of intimacy and trust and understanding that just goes to a whole deeper it's like there were all these deeper layers I didn't even realize existed before and I thought I was already getting quite deep with people but now it's almost like with my close friendships there is almost this real kind of meshing of souls on a different level which is amazingly fulfilling and it makes me feel so much safer it makes me feel so much more held and seen it makes me feel like I can really trust that the people I'm close to have really got my back it's just um yeah it, that's been really surprising and it's subtle as well it's not like it, it's a, it's more of an emotional thing than something I could intellectually quantify but just the feeling in my friendships now is really um solid in a way that I, I thought that, that I can't say it again but I thought they were solid already <laughs> but now like there's this whole other layer of, of foundational kind of trust that has has grown as a result of my being of my relationships being sober relationships could we finish on a few tips because the number one thing that I hear from my community when I've spoken about my sober curious journey is the friendship and socialising aspect. So mm-hmm. could you leave us with one or two tips on socialising sober and perhaps dealing with the pressures and the peer pressure that comes along with this expectation to drink? Yeah, there can be a lot of peer pressure. I think I think the one a really good tip is to really be very clear and connected to your reasons for experimenting with not drinking or quitting altogether or whatever your path is. You could even write down like all the different reasons why you're choosing this and why you're trying this out and have that list somewhere you can refer to it. Maybe you want to put it on the notes app on your phone. Maybe you want to actually have it written out on a piece of paper that you keep in your wallet or something. So you can just, when those moments of peer pressure come up, which might look like, (laughs) among others, Oh, why aren't you drinking tonight? You're so boring. Oh, I thought we, I thought we were going to be celebrating together. Oh, that's it. Oh, you're not drinking. Oh, that makes everything a bit like like all of us <laughs> may or may not have experienced, um, or even just the con- the simple like. But why? Why are you not drinking? Why? That's weird. How long are you going to be doing this for? Like, when are you going to be back on it? When you, those questions come up, you can just remind yourself mentally or you could even take yourself to the bathroom and look at your list and just remind yourself why you're doing this. Um, and that you're, and it's also about reminding yourself that your choice doesn't necessarily have to impact anybody else. And that also being kind to that, rather than getting defensive and kind of like annoyed with the people doing the questioning, also reminding yourself that, yeah, this is really, it's really kind of different. Like it is really confusing and confronting for people because it's not something that we've really seen happening much before. So just, I think being, stepping back and being kind, thinking kindly of everyone in the situation. No one's trying to make you feel uncomfortable. It might seem like they are. They might even think they are, but ultimately they're just confused. And in the face of anything confusing, like lots of people say lots of weird things. (laughs) So I think just kind of stepping back and being like, Okay, this is this is un- this is slightly uncomfortable for everyone. Let's just be kind, be gentle, not be non-reactive, not get defensive, and just kind of come at it from a place of like, you know what? If you 
if you really want to talk about it, I can tell you all my reasons. But if you, but if it's, you know, but otherwise, hey, let's just not, it doesn't need to be a big deal. I'm just not drinking. It's fine. Like no, and, and also I think always bringing it back to like, no, I have no problem with anyone else drinking. Like you do you, that's absolutely great. You drink, I'm just not drinking tonight. You know, I think kind of constantly just vocally even reminding people that you're not judging anyone else's drinking choices and that this is purely about you and it's an experiment you're doing and it, you have no problem with them drinking just to reassure people that, you know, you not drinking is not a, any kind of a comment on whatever they might be drinking. Exactly, yeah. That's been um, a big learning and practice for me. It, it's like mm-hmm. anything that you're passionate about and you believe in. Um, mm-hmm. You do go through that phase, I think, where you do want to, like, tell everyone about it. But um, one thing I've discovered is it's so much more rewarding to accept that everyone's on their own journey and just like just love them and support them anyway in whatever they're doing exactly and I mean honestly I've had people are very understand of course I've written a book on the subject and I'm super vocal about it but in a way that's kind of just really owning it for yourself like I said just reminding yourself why you're doing this and staying strong and true in your choice other, it creates a boundary that people will respect. It creates an energetic boundary that people will respect ultimately. And the people who can't respect it and the people who really are trying to make you feel uncomfortable and make you feel bad about your choice, then then you have to question, are these really people that I that are deserving of my friendship and my time? You know? Yeah. That's kind of what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really important point. Um, okay. So these are the quick round questions I ask every guest at the end. Uh, put yourself first is all about empowering women to put themselves first and make more time for themselves um with that being said self-care is like sobriety is an act of self-care but what is your go-to self-care ritual at the end of a long or stressful day i like to remove the instagram app from my phone meaning actually delete the app from my phone um, getting off social media is a really big act of self-care for me because I know myself only too well. And even knowing everything I do about being connected to myself and being non-judgmental and loving myself, and I find it virtually impossible not to get drawn into some kind of weird comparison stuff when I'm on social media, um, whether it's my posts not feeling good enough or whether it's other people doing all the things I think I should be doing. It's virtually impossible for me to not go there. So the only way to stop that from happening, and I see it as an act of mental and emotional self-care, is to just remove the app from my phone. Because if it's there, if the little icon is there on my phone, I know I'm going to look at it. And so <laughs> I actually remove it from my phone every night, which is um, which feels really good. That's a really good one. Mm. The next question is, what's challenging you to leave your comfort zone recently? Uh, I can be quite a yes person, meaning I get, on the one hand, I get really excited about things. So if people ask me to do things that sound interesting, I'm like, yeah. And on the other hand, I'm quite a people pleaser. And I'm kind of like, I feel like sometimes saying no to people is going to make them not like me. So I've recently been saying no to more things. um, And that's quite uncomfortable. But again, it's about creating a boundary of like, what do I actually have the time and energy to invest in fully um and how much of my time and energy is being leaked on things that are not in 100 percent alignment with what i need and what i'm doing 
So I've been saying lots of no's and that's pretty uncomfortable for me. Love that one. I always say sometimes we have to say no to other people in order to say yes to ourselves. Exactly. Nicely put. (laughs) Next question is, what are your 2019 goals? Ooh, um, well, you know, after seven years of creating the Numinous, of working on the Numinous, it's a, as a platform it has led to book deals and it lead, has means I can do events and it's led to me leading retreats and all sorts of things, but the platform itself is, does not have a revenue stream attached to it. And so it's felt like a lot of labor for not very much return. And like I said, it's led to all these amazing opportunities, but my goal for 2019 is to actually monetize um, the numinous so it can become a sustainable business that supports me in everything I want to do. I love that one. Fantastic. Next question is, do you have a favorite resource that you just love tapping into, whether it's about your spirituality or um, sobriety? Is there anything else you look to online or in a book or a podcast or just something to support you? My ultimate resource is astrology. Um, The tool I use, I guess, to help me make sense of myself and the world around me and everything that's going on, my relationships is astrology. And so having learned to read my own birth chart means I can connect to astrology on a much more meaningful level. And so in a way that's my tool and my resources around that are all the different places. You know, it's all the studies I've done on astrology over the years, different books, different teachings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And just to let you know here, for the first time sharing this, um, I'm my next book is going to be actually an astrology learning tool that's going to be an astrology deck that comes out in June this year. So I, because there wasn't really one a one stop resource that provided all the information I needed to help me learn to understand my own birth chart and therefore, like I say, connect to astrology on a deeper level. There wasn't one resource. I was having to very much do a kind of mix and match approach and go to all these different places. So I've created it, um, and that's going to be out in June, which I'm really excited about. That's incredible. I was literally about just about to say, oh, in 2019, I want to tap into all that kind of stuff more and learn about it, and then you said that, so thanks, universe. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Finally, um, where can people go to follow you online, support your journey, and buy the book? Um, so for everything that's more me, Ruby Warrington and Sober Curious, my um, personal Instagram is at Ruby Warrington. Um, and then for everything numinous, which is the bigger umbrella of everything I do, um, the website is the hyphen numinous.com. And it's numinous is like luminous, but with an N. So numinous, the hyphen numinous.com. And the numinous Instagram is that the underscore numinous and we have a great newsletter i'm so proud of it goes out twice a week and it really is like a kind of mini magazine and you can subscribe to the newsletter on the instagram and on the website to be the first to hear about all of our events all of our upcoming projects all of our retreats etc perfect thank you so much ruby it's been a pleasure chatting to you today Kat, it's been lovely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Put Yourself First. If you enjoyed it or you have any feedback, I would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this. And if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi, I'm at Kat underscore Horrocks on Twitter and Instagram. 
And if you're feeling extra kind, share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too.